The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call Seabus Seatown, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice cold Pepsi right here in Seabus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi and say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. I'm Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. We're bringing you the most complete and hilarious Yanks chat you'll find anywhere. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast, courtesy of Fansack. Welcome to the episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. We've been waiting to record ever since Kevin Cash threatened us with a stable of guys who throw 98. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante, and the Tampa Bay Rays have lost the World Series specifically because their jerk manager was too stupid to do the job. Uh, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you do get your podcast, and drop us a five-star review if you hate Kevin Cash and the Rays as much as we do. Uh, Thomas, what a day. Set off the fireworks, pop the poppers, just, just do whatever you got to do because uh we've got a new contender for biggest asshole in baseball this year and he just face planted onto the curbside yesterday truly unbelievable especially after we're sitting there through five innings and we're just like god damn they're gonna win this game it's gonna be game seven all the pressure is gonna be on the dodgers the rays are gonna have a fully rested bullpen i know walker bueller's no joke to go up against but like damn like we're sitting there thinking that this is fully going to seven, the Dodgers are going to have their backs against the wall and all the pressure is going to be on them. And then you have this, which is my least favorite thing in all of baseball. What's the point of having an ace? What's the point of having a starting rotation? I don't understand. And this wasn't even an analytical move when you break it down and you look at it because Snell's a lefty. He was, by the way, five and two thirds. He had given up two hits and that was it. He had nine strikeouts. He looked pretty much pitch perfect. Uh, an Austin Barnes single with two outs in the fifth was the move that forced Cash to make this change. And if he was making the change for Diego Castillo, I don't think there'd be complaints. I think there'd still be eyebrows raised because with how well Snell was pitching, and he is theoretically your ace, so you want the guy to go seven innings at least, especially when he's cruising like this. So you're well-rested for a game seven with the entire bullpen, and that would play into the race strength. 
that a bullpen game for the Rays in game seven fully gives them the advantage over the Dodgers, especially because LA had to use a lot of their bullpen in game six, but no, he goes with Nick Anderson, who is a great pitcher, but not a great pitcher in this postseason. Seven straight appearances, giving up a run. He has now given up eight, which I believe is a postseason record. Mookie Betts was 0 for 4 against Snell in this World Series with two strikeouts and a walk. Um, and I think Cody, uh, who was it, Corey Seager and Justin Turner were combined 0 for 6 against Snell um, in the game last night before Cash made this move, and those were the next three batters he was slated to face. So you go with Nick Anderson, who's a righty, which, by the way, is even a worse move because Mookie Betts, in case you haven't seen, has been historically bad against lefties this year. Can't uh, hit him. Just can't, can't hit him. Literally couldn't hit them. I think he was batting under 200. I, I, really, yeah, I thought I, it was 218. I could be making that up. But either way, uh, worse than usual Mookie Betts. Yeah, and Snell was the main culprit of this, mowing him down in game two. We saw it happen. He struck him out on three pitches, I think, in the first inning, made him look completely silly. And then you go with a righty against Betts, who Betts has been hitting. That's that. If you look at his splits, I mean, if you're looking at his splits and you're an analytical mind like the Rays front offices, this is not the move you make. So I don't know where this move came from. If this was a gut feeling from Cash, um, somebody took over his body and forcibly gave him the wrong decision. Betts hits a double, runner on second and third, one out, uh, two outs, I think. Wild pitch, scores Austin Barnes, tie game. Corey Seager grounded a first. They go home. Betts beats the uh, Betts beats the throw with a beautiful slide. He got a great jump on the grounder, and that was it. 2-1. And then Betts, once again, hit a home run in the eighth off Pete Fairbanks to give him the insurance run, and that was the game. I don't understand this move by Cash. I don't know what else I could say about it. I am not a manager. I never will be a manager. I hope to be a manager. I feel like that would be fun, but I have no experience in this. Um, my philosophy with having no experience in this is to leave the starter in as long as you possibly can, as long as his pitch count is low, and as long as he's doing a great job against the opposing lineup, which Blake Snell was doing, and every pedestrian fan was able to see that based on the most basic of numbers that you were presented with. And here we are, Cash, I guess. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call Seabus Seatown, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice-cold Pepsi right here in Seabus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi. And say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. Overthinks it or had a gut feeling that, well, it, it's funny though. I'll, I'll let you talk in a sec because I know I've been rambling. But he said that the broadcast went to him, I think, in the fourth, and they were talking about Willie Adamas. Willie Adamas, who I think is a good player. I, I really do. He's a great fielder. He has a good bat, um, just hasn't really been coming through in the postseason. And Cash, we're in a do or die game six. You're leading by one run. Your backs aren't against the wall, but you don't exactly have cushion. And the broadcast is asking him about Willie Adamas because he's struggling. He was 0 for 8 with five strikeouts in his last two games. Uh, in his last 73 plate appearances, 25 strikeouts. He's batting 136 with a 203 slugging percentage. And Kevin Cash is saying, yeah, you know, he's going to get a big hit with runners on. It's coming. It's going to lift the pressure off of him. When is that coming? 
there's five innings left in this game, which you might not survive, which you did not survive. So when is the opportunity coming? How many more opportunities are you going to give the guy? We already talked about how he let Brandon Lau sit there in an 0 for 18 slump in the two hole. And it eventually, he ended up breaking out of it. It ended up working out, but I don't understand what his gut feelings are. If he thinks Adamas is going to break, I mean, just conventional wisdom, I guess. You look at the surface and you're like, oh, shit, batting 136 and 73 plate appearances, he's due for a hit. But do you take those chances when you literally, you need to, your only option is to win this game. There's no other option. This isn't like a seer. This isn't like, you know, you have to even up the series or, you know, you're looking to, you're looking to get off to a hot start and take a lead. You have to win this game. And Adamus is still, you know, not moved down in the lineup. He's not getting hitters with runners on. And not only that, he's not even putting bat on the ball. He is striking out 33% of the time. I don't know where his gut feelings have come from. I don't know what the analytics are telling him. It seems like a giant mishmash of everything that's incorrect. And, you know, this is, this, this is the result. Yankee fans are celebrating. I'm happy. I'm not going to dance on their grade because, you know, I knew I had a feeling they were going to lose. This isn't really anything expected. The Dodgers are a much better team. Uh, if not for that miraculous game four, this this baby's over in five. Uh, I'm surprised it wasn't a sweep. I really thought it was going to be a sweep, but Snow really came to play uh, in that game too and shifted the momentum for them. Um, but terrible, terrible, terrible. And, you know, a lot of talk about how analytics is ruining baseball. I guess you could get on that train, but this wasn't even analytics. I don't know what this is. What was this? That's exactly what I was going to say. If you don't like analytics, then you don't like the Dodgers either, who's yeah. shit, like, whose management core comes from the Rays. It's the same people. It's the Rays people getting money and doing the Rays stuff in Los Angeles. So we love them, and that's great, but it's the same ethos. So this is not analytics' fault. I don't think there's a single page in the analytics handbook that's like, if your starter has struck out the top three hitters in the lineup, the first two times he's faced them, he's legally not allowed to face them a third time. Like, that came from nothing. Uh, the Austin Barnes bloop single is now one of the, like, 30 most important hits in baseball history. Is that fair? Like, <laughs> with, without Austin Barnes hitting a one-out bloop single, Blake Snell probably continues. Or he doesn't because Kevin Cash already had his mind made up before this game. I mean, this is a guy who has deserved his comeuppance for a long time. Um, and a raised front office that, quite frankly, has deserved their comeuppance for a long time, too. It's very ironic that their downfall in this particular World Series came from devaluing a starting pitcher because that's all they do. Uh, they, have, uh, they have starters. They say, you know, we're going to make you, we're going to take you from a starter. We're going to make you a bulk guy. Now you come in in the second inning and you leave in the fifth and nothing about your numbers makes sense. And when it comes time for your free agency and people are trying to hand you contracts, they're not going to know what to make of you because you're not a starter. You're not a closer. You're not even a traditional middle reliever. You're like a half starter and nobody wants you. And that's the Rays model. It's no starter gets to go deep into a game because I said so, because, uh, you know, I'm playing the percentages every day instead of sometimes. Uh, no starter gets to be a starter. Many of you get to resume your games in the third inning after a closer has pitched the first two. They didn't invent the opener because they're understaffed and they don't have the money to pay for top dollar starting pitchers. They invented the opener because it's a way to suppress worker wages because it makes everybody's role confusing. And eventually, you know, when it comes time to like closers get paid, starters get paid guys who throw the first inning and no other innings two or three times a week, don't get paid. Ryan Stanek did that for like two years. 
Nobody's rushing to sign Ryan Stanek in free agency. Everything the Rays do is strange. Analytics are good. They're very good. They are the blueprint for success. And the Dodgers have shown us that. The analytics are the reason the Dodgers have Justin Turner. Uh, we will address him later. But analytics are the reason the Dodgers players, like undervalued players, were put in place because they showed off skills that most people weren't properly appreciative of before teams like the A's and Dodgers and Rays, to be fair, figured this out. But I personally don't want to live in a baseball world where it's good to pull Blake Snell in the middle of the sixth inning at 73 pitches with a one nothing lead just because you're kind of thinking maybe someday eventually the top of the lineup's levy might break and Mookie Betts and Corey Seager will get hits, even though the past two times up they haven't. Snell's stuff is still incredibly crisp, and there's nobody in the bullpen who's going to be following Snell who's as pristine as he was. If you have an unbeatable set of bullpen arms who are all completely rested. And by the way, Diego Castillo did not come into this game. So let's not let Kevin Cash off the hook for that one either. His, his closer and, and hottest reliever didn't pitch in this game. So that's basically Zach Britton style. You saw Britton during the game tweet a shrug emoji. Um, partially, maybe that was because he, he knows what it's like to be left in the bullpen. And he knows what it's like for his manager to colossally screw up a do or die playoff game. Uh, I don't, I don't know, but all I do know is that he, he never showed up. So we never saw him. Uh, and, and it was time, like, uh, once again, there's no analytics handbook that says you have to treat Blake Snell like he's Jay Happ, right? Jay Happ wouldn't have pitched to the top of the order. Blake Snell probably deserved the chance to, and you could tell he, he thought he deserved the chance to because of the monstrous F-bombs he unleashed after being pulled. He also got pulled, by the way, in game six of the ALCS with the Astros surging and the Astros came back and won that game as well. I would have probably pulled Snell in the Astros game because he looked bad. This one, uh, he did not look bad at all. But we, we have to pull Snell after 73 pitches. That's the Kevin Cash mandate. You know, he's got to go. We got to get him out of there. But Pete Fairbanks, you know, God bless. Let, let's throw Pete Fairbanks 40 pitches. You know, he, <laughs> let's throw him in the entire seventh. Uh, let, let the Dodgers rally off him. He sneaks out of this, you know, inning after giving up a double to Will Smith. Looks terrible. Like 25 pitches, just, just bad, bad, bad. Oh, let's send him back out there for the eighth. I'm sure Mookie Betts won't be a problem now. We're, we're down to one now. So the odds say that you got to let your worst pitcher face Mookie Betts. Uh, Kevin Cash has deserved this for a long time uh, because of what he has installed in Tampa, the mockery he has made of the game. I don't want it to be good that a pitcher throwing a gem gets pulled after 73 pitches. I would rather World Series lore have a lot of uh, more complicated stories than that in it. And uh, Cash always thought he, he was better equipped than he was. The point of the Rays is that they're the underdogs who are trying to lick the moon, not that they're you know these massive overdogs that get to play games with the opposing team. And Kevin Cash played a game in game six of the freaking World Series, and it did not work. And he turned into Dave Roberts, as we were saying last night. Dave Roberts did this same stuff with Clayton Kershaw. Game one, 78 pitches through six innings. No, nobody was touching him. Take him out. Let's use, let's use four relievers in game one when we're up eight to one, when we're going to need all of the relief help we could possibly get because we're going up against the best bullpen in the league. Dave Roberts did that again in game five when he pulled Kershaw after five and two-thirds innings after he gave up a single and a righty was coming up and he had, I believe, 72 pitches in that one. Something very, very much not to the point where you're like, oh my God, this guy has to come out. It was just an analytics decision or I, I really don't know. And at the end of the day, who is going to fault Kevin Cash for leaving in Blake Snell to face hitters that he has dominated all night and say Mookie Betts hits a two-run homer and makes it 2-1. 
what that's just a situation where you throw your hands in the air and you say, all right, well, this is just the shit that I got to deal with today because it's inexplicable. It would have made no sense. It was so far from being in the cards based on what we had seen in game two and then in game six that I don't know how he could have. Th- I mean, it was clearly a predetermined decision. He gave up that bloop single and cash was out of the dugout. There was, there, he wasn't even thinking terrified there, there, of the bloop single. Yeah. There was, ne- there was never any point where he was like, Hey, you know what? Like maybe he's in trouble. Maybe, you know, I'll call the bullpen or whatever. He, the single was given up cash was out of the dugout. And that was that. And Blake Snell knew, and you saw his facial reaction and I would have the same reaction. Because, like you said, crisp. He was his curveball was unhittable. He was blowing the fat. Every Dodgers hitter was late on his. They didn't know what was coming. They were late on every fastball. They showed the slow mos of like Mookie Betts and uh, Justin Turner swinging through his like 96, 97 mile an hour fastball. The barrel of the bat wasn't even halfway near home plate. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call C-Bus C-Town, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice-cold Pepsi right here in C-Bus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi and say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. When the ball hit the glove, like this guy was absolutely cooking. And this is the point. This is why you have a guy like this. Even if you have the best bullpen in the league, you need length from your starters. How many times did the broadcast say, oh, how many times did Cash say when they went to him and thought, oh, well, you know, we need five from Glass now tonight. There's, you know, there's really no debate about it. Glass now would give them five, obviously put them in a bad spot, but he's talking about getting innings from starters and not taxing the bullpen because, of, you know, you're looking ahead to, to, to these other games where you know it's going to be a battle because you know you're facing Kershaw. You know you're facing eventually Walker Bueller. You know that even though the Dodgers are outmatched in this game six, they still have the arms to do it. Gonsolin's there. Floro's there. Victor Gonzalez, I guess the new best guy on the planet is there. It's just insane. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with more Kevin Cash ripping right after this. Welcome back, Thomas. uh, Let's destroy Kevin Cash some more. Why not? We got time. The floor is yours. Yeah. Um, As I was saying, everybody was there. The, The Dodgers had enough guys to get this done. So, there was no free pass for this for this raised team to have to. I know it should have been all hands on deck. They had they should be able to use everybody because it was a do or die game six. But seven from Snell goes a long way. And then you go to your two best relievers to preserve a one or two run lead, whatever the situation is, and that's the end of it. You can't be scared of a bloop single. You can't be scared of a guy who's hitless with two strikeouts against your best starting pitcher. It's just bad. It's just bad. And I don't know what the decision is. I don't know. I don't know what went into the decision making. I'm sorry. I don't know. I didn't see much of what Cash said. I don't know if you did, but it's senseless. It's kind of anti. It's very, it's very much the antithesis of baseball, in my opinion. I'm not asking guys to be Cy Young to throw back to back, you know, complete game shutouts on zero days rest, but like, let the guy go six innings, dude. Come on. I saw a little of Cash explaining it, and that's what – I mean, it frustrated me just as much as the action itself almost because he was still doing Kevin Cash stuff. Like, he wasn't humble, and he was being grilled by Ken Rosenthal in the postgame who was, you know, standing six feet away from him with a mask, point blank going, Kevin, Blake Snell, 
you pulled him too early. Why did you do that? And, and he was just like, you know, uh, Blake was, you know, doing great. Our best option was to go to Nick, and Nick's one of the best relievers in baseball. So, and that's the problem right there because Nick Anderson was one of the best relievers in baseball during the regular season. He was one of the best relievers in baseball in 2019. In the 2020 MLB postseason, Nick Anderson not only was not one of the best relievers in baseball, he was one of the worst relievers in baseball. He had allowed a run in seven of his previous nine outings. The previous six outings, he had allowed a run. He was going about as poorly as someone could go. And you were not only throwing him into a game, into a close, because he's going to have to show up in a close game. Like, there are people you can't avoid. There's a reason Tony Gonsolin was starting this game after being awful in game two and awful in the NLCS. Because at a certain point, there are pitchers on your ro- there are only so many pitchers on your roster in positions of power, and they all have to appear in the game. So Nick Anderson was going to be coming into this game no matter what. But you know when Nick Anderson didn't have to come into this game? With a runner on first and one out and your, your starter absolutely surging. And, and you can, you know, keep Snell in. Let's say he gets out of it. It's still one nothing. See what your team could do on offense. Uh, you know, bring in Castillo, bring in Fairbanks, bring in Anderson if you have to. Uh, you know, don't bring Anderson into a pressure situation where there are people on base. And, and to act like Nick Anderson is the best reliever in baseball because of the last two months of data and not because of the last very important month of data, I understand this is a small sample size, but it's also a recent trend. And if I wrote a great eighth grade social studies paper, but then bombed my SATs because I was hungover, the more relevant sample size is that I got drunk the night before the SATs. I changed as a person between being a great student in eighth grade and irresponsible enough to tank my SATs because I was wasted. So maybe we pay attention to what just happened in the last month of things that have happened rather than the two months prior. That's it. I mean, that, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I think in summation here, we have to say that this is not – this, this is not a black cloud over the analytics slash data uh, minds and approach to baseball. It's just a bad managerial decision. And that's, yeah, the way that, that's the way that we have to go about it. Don't be knocking analytics. You know, don't be, don't be thinking that, uh, you know, I know you th- the Rays, the Rays brand of baseball is boring. It works, you know, because they're, they're, they're trying to make it work with a shoestring budget that they don't really, that they don't really need to have. Um, it's cool in a sense, but it's also very problematic in a number of ways. But this had nothing to do with analytics. This had nothing to do with data. This had something to do with the manager feeling something that was very much wrong um, and not being in tune to what's going on. Yeah, I think I, the fact that he didn't even talk to Snell before doing this is crazy. You got to go out to the mound and ask the guy how he's feeling. It's a do or die game. You know, if you're concerned about him, that's one thing. But to just pull him and then bring in somebody who has not been good is is just it's mal it's managerial malpractice so don't blast analytics you know there's a time and place for that this is not it and i know what happened on the big stage and it's gonna get uh, it's gonna get the it, it's not gonna get the exact i guess um credit it deserves because analytics did drive these two teams to the world series but this has nothing to do with that end of story no, but it's almost like kevin cash just got cocky one last time and was yep. like you know what if I'm going to win game six and I'm going to send this to seven, I'm going to do it with the stable of 98ers. I'm going, to, I'm going to continue to take my testicles out and show them to everybody and make sure that my beloved stable are the ones on the mound when we push this to seven and shock the world and send the Dodgers back to the locker room. And you know what? Uh, it doesn't quite work out that way. Sometimes you just got to have a feel for the situation. And Tim Cash went in with a plan, and that plan was bad, and that plan did not work. 
Um, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the, the monstrous elephant in the room, though. Uh, we make fun of the Rays for their, an- for their uh, you know, analytical baseball decisions in Game 6. Uh, it's probably worth destroying and flambeing the world champion Dodgers, too, who were forced to pull Justin Turner in game set in the seventh inning of game six because of a positive coronavirus test. Bad enough already. So that means there was an inconclusive test, uh, which they were treating as, you know, just something to shrug off. And they definitely weren't going to tell anybody unless we got a second positive. And then we did. So you don't know if the Rays were informed that Justin Turner was awaiting the second confirmation. You don't know if anybody knew the umpires, uh, you know, the opposing coaches who are certainly of an older age uh, than the players and all that stuff. So already we've got an ethical disaster. Uh, but then the Dodgers win. Uh, Rob Manford on the field after the game in a crazy voice, and he honestly sounds like he's drunk and crying the whole time, <laughs> says, you know, Turner tested positive and he's isolating and we'll figure it out. And you're like, dear Lord, like this is the worst thing that's ever happened. We hope Justin Turner's okay, but at least they've gotten it under control. And, uh, well, you know what? Actually, Justin Turner just wandered onto the field. Now people are seeing him. You know, he's in a corner now. He's away from people. Oh, but actually he's in the dugout hugging people. That's not great. Uh, now he's kissing his, his, you know, partner with the trophy. Both of them had their masks off. Pretty bad. Uh, he's sitting in the front row of the team picture. He's sitting next to cancer survivor Dave Roberts. Takes his mask off for the pick. Glad you got your pick, uh, but that's unconscionable stuff. And then Mookie Betts in the postgame said there was no way Turner wasn't celebrating with them. Turner reportedly in the isolation room said there was nothing that was going to stop him from coming out on the field. I can think of one thing that could have stopped him, uh, the coronavirus, which he has. Um, but it's just crazy that not only did we get – we got a positive test of Juan Soto before the first game of the season, which almost threw off the entire, you know – the entire like past month of training and then the very last game of the season we get a mid-game positive test which I don't think happened anywhere else across the baseball landscape all year long and it's handled just by sheer bravado by the guy who got the positive test for the deadly virus that has killed 220,000 Americans going yeah I don't care I'm gonna go celebrate with my teammates you only get so many world series you're right and that's a real shame but you know what you actually have to stay in a box you don't get to do that yeah this is this this came full cir- circle for Major League Baseball. I don't know how many times we have to discuss it, but we saw how negligent and, uh, I guess, hesitant they were at the beginning of the year to, A, get the season started. We saw how much of a debacle that was. Um, and, two, the very last thing that the the owners and the players union had agreed to were the safety protocols. So Major League Baseball gets shut down in March because of the spread of COVID in Florida. And all these two sides do over the next two, three months is fight about salaries and prorated contracts and the owners not wanting to pay the players 100% of their prorated contracts for playing 60 games, which meant that their salaries would be cut to reflect them playing 60 games, but the owners didn't want to pay for the full 60 games. They wanted to pay 75%. So that was the argument that kept Major League Baseball hanging in the balance for as long as it did. And then when that got agreed to, Major League Baseball was like, oh, shit. We got to figure out how we're going to keep the players safe, dude. How could we forget this? 
They forgot exactly what brought them to this point because they got lost in this bullshit argument about figuring out who's going to make what money and how the owners are going to make up uh, any money that they're losing because there's no fans in the stands. So they're slapping advertisements on the fucking pitcher's mound. But here it is, full circle for Major League Baseball. You took forever to abide by – you took forever to come up with protocols to protect your players and not even the players, the at-risk managers, the at-risk coaches – the at-risk assistants, the at-risk locker room employees. You don't know who's there. You know, not everybody's in a tip in tip-top shape like athletes. And guess what? We already saw Yon Moncada, who is a tip athlete in tip-top shape. He's 25 years old, and he had very, very hard time getting over COVID. And Eduardo Rodriguez had health uh, heart complications from it, and he missed the entire season. So this is not a joke. And now, of course, it comes full circle for MLB who on the last game of the season after they had, what, zero positive tests for seven or eight weeks, They're something like bubble, that. Supposedly, yeah. supposedly, yeah. so I've heard. Yeah, they even, they, uh, you know, kudos to them. I guess they did a good job over the course up until then. But guess what? Everything just got erased. Just like you said, you get shit-faced before the SAT. College, you know, college, sorry. Can't get, you got to figure something else out. Now they have this positive test in the final game of the season. And not only was there was clearly negligence here because there was an inconclusive test reportedly, according to reports, his Monday results were inconclusive. And health experts have said, if you get an inconclusive test, you must treat that as a potential positive. So there was no, there was no effort to isolate Turner or keep him out of game six. Instead, they go ahead, they test him again before getting the results back before game six. They get the results back. When did they get the results back? Because he got taken out in the ninth inning. So they didn't get the results back mid-game. They got the results back end of game. So then he gets taken out of the game after being near all of his teammates in the dugout, after being in the batter's box next to the umpire and the catcher. And then he, according to what we've seen on social media, Jeff Passan was asked, you know, uh, uh, saw questions on Twitter saying, I don't understand why – Turner's not isolated, and he said the answer was he went back out. Nobody stopped him. He was asked to isolate, and he didn't. Uh, Andrew Friedman's explanation of it, the Dodgers president of baseball operations, uh, pretty much just insinuated that, hey, Turner had already been exposed to all of his teammates and and all the Rays players and the umpires and the coaches and whatnot. So, you know, what does it matter? Now we just got to test negative, so we'll we'll see what happens. That was pretty much his explanation. Just... And I mean, I mean, kissing your partner on live television, like, oh my God, dude, I know this is a once in a lifetime opportunity with the world series, but that's just, it's just wrong on so many levels. And, you know, COVID's a part of our daily lives now. Let's, let's get that out of the way. Um, It's going to be something we have to live with. There's no way that we're not, you know, going to be going out in public and going to work or doing all of our usual daily activities without the potential risk. But there are ways to mitigate and reduce the risk, and this is not one of them, going out and celebrating and hugging all of your teammates, kissing your partner, sitting next to an at-risk cancer survivor with your mask off during a photo op is just the antithesis of this entire thing. And the measures that you have to take to just make sure that the spread isn't, you know, exponentially increasing or you know, you're not putting people around you at risk are very simple. It's wear a mask, keep some distance, carry some fucking hand sanitizer. It's really not that hard, everybody. But this was a terrible example for everybody watching at home. Um, I I know it's a tough spot for Turner because this is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for him to celebrate. But guess what, dude? You're a World Series champ. 
enjoy sitting in, you know, the showers for an extra 35 minutes while everybody celebrates and you could see everybody after the game. Or, you know, just say, hey, I want to go out on the field, put me in center field with the trophy, take a picture, I won't be near anybody, and then send me back. Like, so many easy things to do here. And Major League Baseball just crapped the bed with allowing this to happen. Um, and just the, these are the worst optics you could have of in any sport, in any setting. Forget about sports. This is just the worst optics you could have for any setting in dealing with, you know, COVID and all of the, you know, hurdles that come with it. Just bad stuff. And, you know, this is what Major League Baseball is just so terrible. The, the organization itself is just bad. They don't have good leadership. Um, you know, they, 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 they're stern and powerful when they want to be over useless. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Uh, endeavors, and they're not that way when it comes to things that are just as equally important or, or, or even more important. Um, once again, a leadership thing. Rob, Commis- uh, Rob Manfred's a bad commissioner. That's, that's the end of the story as well. Yeah, this was just the most regressive garbage ever. And you had Dave Roberts on the Fox Post game and Kevin Burkhart doing his due diligence. Doing uh, Dave, you know, we have to ask, we saw Justin Turner on the field after testing positive. You know, what can you tell us about that? Has anything changed? Like clearly teeing it up, hoping that maybe they found out it was a false positive during like the hour gap or whatever. And Dave Roberts is like, that was crazy, man. What a crazy night. Uh, crazy to win the World Series. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Turner, but I, I didn't touch him. You know, I, I didn't touch him. Cut to, you know, he did touch him. He's, he's touching him in the, in the team photo. He, he just, there's photographic evidence that you did everything wrong. And the only justification for this is they've already spent so much time together. They might as well hang out one more time because they probably all have it anyway. Oh, great. So let, let's spend our final waking moments together, potentially. Uh, just causing the worst optics in the history of time for Major League Baseball. Uh, baseball didn't need this on the day of their celebration and the end of their World Series. But you know what? All things considered, maybe baseball did need this because they are going to have to come back for 2021 with a far tighter plan. Uh, and they proved all along that they didn't care about anything but money this year. They were able to make their cash and they abandoned the safety protocols that they instituted haphazardly the second they escaped with their money. So you know what? Congrats to Major League Baseball. That is it for this episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. We're going to have plenty more for you coming up this offseason, and we're going to focus back on the team that we love so much, the New York Yankees, because there's a lot going on in our backyard. We got a big interview for you on Friday. Um, You're going to be listening to us, obviously, but also Mark Deshera is going to be stopping by. Uh, Fanside was able to speak to Mark Deshera about a lot of things that have to do with this Yankees offseason, so we will bring you that exclusive interview uh, when we come back for our next episode on Friday. Until then, I'm Adam Weiner, but you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. Please head on over to also to yanksgoyard.com for all the content, rumors, reports, speculation, whatever. It's all there. Send, uh, hit us up on the Yanks Go Yard official Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. We'll answer your questions. We'll turn some of your suggestions into content. And until then, 
We'll see you for the first Pizza Friday without baseball since July, folks. Have a good have a good rest of the week. Yeah. See you on Pizza Friday, everybody. Watch old baseball. It'll, it'll probably help. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.